Welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports, and my co-host, as always, Sean Smith of A to Z Sports. We are in episode 59. It is December 19th. We are a week away from Christmas, and things are not good, Sean. Things are very bad. Yeah, if you can hear the sirens outside of my house, it doesn't sound good either. Good Lord, but I assume that's not what you're talking about, right? No, we are talking about the Nashville Predators, of course, and that major issue right there, which we're going to talk about today, and uh, some other things. Um, the Predators are 12 and 13 and 4, which puts them 6th in the Central Division. And boy, they have a lot of issues right now. There is not much going well. There's almost there's nothing really going well except for maybe UC Soros, but, um, well, goaltending in general, I think, is okay, yeah. but... Um, Sean, since we have lost, since we last spoke, we last recorded during the St. Louis Blues game that the Predators eventually lost. Yeah, which would become a theme because the Predators lost four in a row. They are now at six losses in a row. It's really bad, right? It's not good. Well, I, you know, it's it's bad. Like anytime you lose four games in a row, it's bad. I mean, a loss here and there is fine, but you know, you talk about streaks. You celebrate a winning streak. If you're going to celebrate a winning streak, you got to kind of have to mourn a losing streak. And I think that's that's the reality right now is you got you got a lot of losses piling up. And it was coming from a time where the Predators looked like they were surging again. Their, their record wasn't bad, and now it's gone back to sub 500 um, by by a long shot. And that's that's not it's not <laughs> anything to be happy about if you're looking at this team. Um, from the off season, I think, and saying, here's where the team has improved. This team is better now because, and you're going to point to different acquisitions and trades and things that, you know, weak spots that were taken out of the lineup, strong, strong players were added back into the lineup. And now you're in sixth place, 12, 13, and four. Um, you know, I try not to panic at the beginning of the season. And I, I think I try to urge, everyone to, Hey, you know, give it time, let things work out. We'll look at things around the quarter pole and we're, we're well now into the uh, first third of the season is over. And uh, I, I think, I think this is not a good sign. I think things are trending downward as, as you can see above your head there, things are stocks are down, Alex. Stocks are down. Offensive stocks are down way down. Yeah. yeah. T- three weeks ago, the predators had just beaten the Islanders four to one on mm-hmm. a Saturday I think it was a Saturday, and um, maybe it, was it doesn't matter what day it was. It was they just beaten the Islanders four to one. They were winning three. They had won three straight. They were twelve and nine. Things were looking up, and then they played the Lightning and lost that game. The Senators in the Blues game, then they lost to the Oilers again, and then they lost to the Jets in overtime. And then Saturday they lost to the Avalanche. They've lost yeah. six straight. That has created a new kind of conversation, I think. Uh, perhaps one we will be having much in the future. We don't want to touch on it too much today, but relating to draft picks, because I mean, right now they're in like sixth in terms yeah. of where they would fit in the in the draft pick. But obviously, with the lottery, that could change, so they could move mm-hmm. up. Could also move down. Um. I think they lost had last when I last looked they had a six and a half percent chance at the number one overall. It's December nineteenth. That's going to change a lot. <clears throat> well, right now, if you had a, I mean, if you ended the season with a six and a half percent chance, you or or greater, um, it's not a bad, not a bad odd, not bad odds. Um, it's 
hey, it's, it's a lot better than than one percent or zero percent. That's for and sure. And the draft is in Nashville this year. Draft, well, draft is in your city, and you, you want you want to pick, you want to you want to shock the world. You want to have the first pick. You want to you want to pick up some generational talent, right? <laughs> and that's that's <laughs> ideal storybook setting, right? You the draft has finally come. And it's in your hometown, and all of a sudden you have the first overall pick in the draft. Wow, what a what a story! The media types around here, if you know any of them, would probably be all over that one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> even people who don't normally talk about the Predators would probably actually yeah. talk about it. But um, I, I wanted to just touch on real quick uh, something I wrote last week, late last week, um, that. Th- you know, I, I think it's it's easy to get too caught up and or too too far ahead of yourself when analyzing a team this early. But there are just far too many things on the ice that I see and that I'm sure you see as well that look very bad, that that are just that are not working. No. And uh, the, the article I wrote was basically the idea was that the competitive gap between the Predators and the rest of the league is getting bigger. It is not getting smaller. Um, things in, in a small way, John Hines kind of improved a couple things that I think were a problem when he took over. There was a, there was a mental gap between the, how much this team cared about the game and from, from where they were with lobby led at the end of that. And then where they were when Hines got there, I, I think that there were some things that he helped in that area. Um, but I just don't, I don't know what else, where else they, that Hines has really taken them. You know, know he's really done that has, that they can show improvement. I mean, and, and I'm not, I don't know that John Hines is going to get fired. No, Uh, I don't have any real feeling on that. I kind of think, no, I think he won't this year, but, but man, like, uh, they they have not been this bad of an offensive team in a very long time. I, I tweeted out that since I t- started covering the team in 2014, this is the worst offense they've ever had. And then it's basically like the fourth or fifth worst offense they've ever, ever had. And that includes some really bad teams. So it's just offensively, they cannot score goals. And their p- special teams are the worst they've ever been. And defensively, they're not great either. So it's like there, there is nothing happening on the ice that is – Gives it should give anyone encouragement. No, and and one of the things I think a lot of people want to point to the the ever changing lines, and they want to say, well, they can't make anything happen because these lines are being changed constantly, and they can't get any chemistry, and they can't do this, and they can't do that. And I, I think I don't know that that the lines are the root of the problem. I think the lines are, you know, basically what you're seeing as a way of trying to fix the problem trying to find something that works. They're trying to find a group that can get together on the ice and make things happen. Um, we've seen a lot of different combinations, and I, I don't think it's the problem that people think it is. I think people say, oh, the problem is they, they're not together enough and they get switched every night. They never know who they're playing with. But at the end of the day, these are professional hockey players. Um, they know what to do in their positions, and you've, you've got to find – some kind of group you can put out there together, three forwards at a time, that can make things happen and, and get things done. So as much as people want to blame the line blender, I, I don't think that's the, the cause of the problem as much as I, that is the result I have of the to problem. Dis- I have to disagree. 
I okay. disagree. I think I think the problem is <laughs> I I do think it's a big issue. I mean, I don't I don't think it's the only issue. I think there's some individual players who are not playing well, but I I just think like when when you when they go out and and don't really have a good sense of I mean, if you break down like specific instances, it's a little tricky because everything's different and, and there's no 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 two plays are the same. But take for example like when, when Duchesne when Duchesne is going through this, I, actually, let's take Johansson, for example, because I think Johansson's okay. the one that's been changing a lot. And he just okay. recently got put up on the, on the top line with Forsberg and Duchesne recently after having been with Parsonen and Trennan. No, Jano. Niederreiter. Yeah. He's been Niederreiter. Yeah. J- J- Johansson's been like the kind of case of like, he's been, he's played with almost everybody, right? He's yeah. played with Niederreiter, Trennan, Jano, uh, uh, Parsonen, Forsberg, uh, Duchesne. So when Johansson's going up the ice, if he has the puck and he has to know whether or not his, his line mates are going to gain the zone with speed when he has the puck, if he, if he knows that and he knows that he can get the puck over the line and then give them a pass that gives them into the zone quickly, if he knows that there's a little bit of an advantage. If there's, if he doesn't know whether they're going to do it, if he doesn't know maybe if they're going to gain the zone, but then drop back for a pass, or if they're going to gain the zone, but try to just, you know, crash the net after he takes the puck in, it's a little bit of a disadvantage because he doesn't know necessarily. Now, I think Johansson's smart enough to overcome, like he can kind of read the play a little bit quicker than most, but you know, if he's used to a guy like Tanner to who's not the fastest, he's like, he's not slow, but he's not the fastest on one side and then change that up. And now he's got Matthew Shane there, totally different player. That's a little different. I at, at Pars, at, same thing with Parson and, and Forsberg, maybe, or uh, Trennan and Granland, or whoever it else is. Like, there's there's a lot of different styles of attacking the zone because we're talking about offense. That's the problem. There's a lot of different styles of attacking the zone if you have the puck that take a while to get adjusted to. And and you know, he, he seems like he has chemistry with Niederreiter, but you know, it hasn't really panned out that way. So, well. I think I mean I see where you're coming from. I, I certainly do, and I, I'm I'm not saying that there is no problem at all, uh, you know, with it. But I I certainly don't think it plays as big of a factor as people think it does. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, these again, these are professional athletes. They know the other guys on their team, and it's one thing to say like. I play with Nino Niederreiter every night. I know that when Niederreiter's on the ice with me, I can do this versus just taking a a second and consciously saying, okay, I've got Yuso Parson in with me and he's a little bit different, or I've I've got Tanner Janot and I can count on him to do this. Um, You know, they, these guys are making decisions and, you know, tenths of a second out there based on all of the information available to them on the ice. And I mean, it's, it's, fast paced decision-making and it's on display at its best. And I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different if you're used to playing with someone and you know, their tendencies, it's definitely a comfort, but I think when you see those lines blend, it is a move to try to find, okay, so we've got to get some offense somewhere. We've got to get some chemistry. We've something's got to spark because everything else ain't working. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's un, it would be unfair to say that you know that John Hines is not trying, right? Like I, I think um, right, it, it's like you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like I mean, yeah. if he does lines if they're not scoring, if they're not creating offense, not scoring goals, and you don't change the lines, 
yeah. than than what do you do? I, I think I think he's he's got to he's got to try it. But like I think you know moving them in pairs might make more sense rather than moving just individuals around. I don't know. Um, I was just looking it up, so I was trying to find out. All right, so Ryan Johansson has played. He's played eighty nine minutes with Matt Duchesne. 63 minutes with Cole Smith, 62 minutes with Philip Forsberg, 47 minutes with someone named Ellie Tolvanen. Oh, uh, okay. Who's that? 31 minutes with Colton Sissons, 25 minutes with Zach Sant. Is this right? Yeah, I guess this is right. He is, yeah, he's, he's played a lot of different minutes with a lot of different players. He's played some with Jankowski, Trennan. He's got a lot of line mates. No, not, not only, some of these he's only played a little bit with. He only, he's only played, he only played 48 seconds with, you so Parson and I thought it was more than that. Um, anyways, um, so I, I think uh, Johansson's a, a good test case for like a guy that has just had a lot of different line mates. Mikhail Granlin finally getting kind of demoted. That's kind of interesting too. I mean, maybe demoted is the wrong word. Just I mean, he has not moved been... down. But I, uh, um, the bigger thing is, I just I just feel like there's so many things wrong right now. I mean. Th- there, there is just nothing going right. And you got to ask the question, like, how how long does it need to go this poorly before there is, like, a major change? And the schedule's not very kind. I mean, like, they no. have a lot of issues with that. I mean, like, but but as I – what I pointed out in my article is, that, like, they – they have they have only got they've only got five wins of uh, five of their twelve wins are against very very bad teams. like they've got like six good wins this year yeah out of it's games. not a lot so it, yeah th- there's just no, there's not a lot going well I I think that's a that's a question worth asking um, when and, you say when you say something changes like uh, I mean. You you have already said, and I would agree that you're you, not that we have any inside information, but uh, we're not looking to see John Hines getting fired in the middle of the season or anything. I think if he makes it through the year, what kind of major changes are you talking about? Talking about trades? At least one, at least one coach or staff member getting let go. Okay, or or a player uh, getting traded out. I mean, is that a possibility? I, yeah, yeah. You know, I something changing on the hockey side, not the we man. Have, we, we know have a little. Anywhere. Well, we have a little bit of insight. I mean, just based on history that of, of Poyle's decision making going into like the firing of Laviolette, for example, um, he made the statement that he couldn't fire all of the players. Right. So we fired the coach, and so he also couldn't fire. Uh, Laviolette's assistant coaches, which I think was the first request. Yeah. So when the, when the back back when the power play was just as bad. Yeah. And there was a big issue with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, he kind of views things as a, is this the is this the team not performing up to expectations, or is this the coach not? Does he has he lost the room? Has he done this? And I, I'd say in this situation. Again, you can't you can't go from the off season you've had and, and say that you made these improvements and have the team perform at this level and then say that, you know, oh well, um, didn't get very good players, I guess. You know, they, they've got good yeah. players. Their players yeah. aren't 
they aren't performing up to standards. And what, I think is one of the one on. of the two major one of the two major acquisitions you got. Nino Niederreiter is like leading your team in goals, right? And so and that's not, not a right. good not a good argument. Not a good argument for firing the management. Is that what you're saying? Right. No, right. it's not a good argument for firing the management. I mean, that's that's clearly yeah. job was done uh, and, by, and on like, that, at that level. And also, I, I just the, if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. Like, I mean, yeah. this, this is this is not the low point of the franchise in terms of no. like everything else. I mean, I would say that that first round qu- quarterfinal that was not quarterfinal, but um, what they call it qualifying round thing with Arizona, like. When you got yeah. you got beat like soundly by Arizona and the the COVID thing, yeah, and you just had no idea where your franchise was going. You had issue. You didn't have Forsberg signed. You didn't have Roman Yossi signed yet, or you no. did have Roman Yossi signed, but you didn't have Forsberg signed. There, the, all those issues. There was still the expansion draft coming. Um, I think that was a bigger like prop where you were like, if if you were going to get rid of a of a general manager, that would be the point because they were in, they were just yeah. in a terrible state. He yeah. kind of recovered a little bit, made a couple of good moves, and and but it, yeah, exactly. I I think we are in the cycle of who is to blame. We are on the cycle that points directly at players, coaches, maybe right. a little bit more towards players than coaches, but but the coaches are not are are not immune here. No, but I, I think you know. <laughs> If we're looking, if we're looking at that and saying that this is this is where you can place the blame, and you're saying how bad does it have to get, or how long does it? Why am I going out of frame? How long does it have to go on before there is a change? You know, are you looking? I mean, you don't want. I mean, of course they got rid of Ellie Tolvanen. I mean, I don't think that. I don't think that was the issue. I think that was something else entirely. But um, you know, they got rid of Ellie Tolvanen. Okay whatever he's gone he's in seattle i believe he got healthy scratch there as well um you know okay are you looking at an assistant coach uh power play is is bad uh lambert's in charge of the power play is that someone they point out and say okay hey power play we get these opportunities we're not capitalizing on them you know five on five is one thing but man advantage we should be scoring and i i think dan lambert is one that i think some opponent pointed to and um, here's why I think it makes the most sense. Lambert was hired in 2019. Lambert was hired under Laviolette. Right. Lambert is not Heinz's guy. Now, no. I, I think John Heinz is probably initially probably fine with having Lambert around, but he's not, he's not like high note. And he, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he, he doesn't do the same thing that Dan Heino does. He's more of a, more of a, a, a you know, X's and O's kind of guy. Yeah. I don't think Dan Hynot's going. A lot of people are pointing at Dan Hynot. I that I think that's like the last thing that will happen. No, I think Dan, I think Dan Hynot. Really the players would revolt. I mean, I think they yeah. love Dan Hynot. I've said before, I think they'd run through a brick wall for the man. Yeah, so. I, and, and I also don't think that's his role. I think you need a guy like Dan Hynot around to be former player, motivational. Yeah kind of like the hockey dad that's like going to be really uh, helpful in, in certain situations. Yeah. I mean, he also is, was a very good player for a number of years. So it's not like he doesn't have the skills there. Um, but Lambert is one that I, I think could because, and, and it's also a very confusing one because he came into the role as a very productive power play coach. Yeah. Like he knew he what he was doing. And 
initially found some results. I mean, the team's power play was seventh last year. Seventh yeah. best. Yeah. Like, that's pretty good. That's uh, compared in, in the history of the Nashville Predators, having a top 10 power play. That's only happened a few times. So yeah. uh, that's pretty good. I, I don't I don't know what's changed. The roster hasn't really changed that much. I mean, it's they've added Niederreiter. They've changed some things up, uh, uh, like grouping-wise. Right. But like, all right, so the other day, uh, and I'm sorry I'm going long on this, but the other day Fine. they had that team meeting that was pretty much all about the power play. This was before, um, was it before the Edmonton game, maybe? I think it was before the Edmonton game. And they had team meetings all day. And it was all about the power play. And then they had they 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 trotted out a new look power play that was a pretty decent um, group of players. I can't remember exactly. I think it was like Parson was on it. It was Forsberg, Yossi, um, maybe Niederreiter, and then Duchesne, something like that. I think so. And and they also did the thing where Yossi played the full two minutes. Yossi played the full two minutes on both. He played on both units. Yeah. They didn't score a goal. It didn't work. Nope. So, I mean, Dan Lambert is one that I would say could be a possibility. But is is Hines, and since he's not Hines' guy, maybe like Hines isn't willing to stick up for him like Laviolette was with Kevin McCarthy. and that Right. Uh, I, I think it's possible that could happen. Who knows? But – what is that going to do? I mean, like, so you're going to swap out one power play coach for another power play coach. What, this new power play coach is going to be able to unlock uh, the secret? I mean, I I think that's kind of a desperate move, but I could also, I could see it happening. Well, and I, and I agree. If there's, you know, I, and the reason I was kind of pushing you is you say a, a, a change, a major change, what are you talking about? You know, that's kind of where I would be looking would be to see an assistant coach, possibly Lambert because he is in charge of the power play and the power play. It doesn't look good. And I, and I don't mean like, you know, we've looked at the, uh, we've crunched the numbers, we've looked deeper at it and we've looked at schemes. And I mean, like, I think everyone can watch the power play and say, this isn't good. Yeah. There, nothing's getting up close at no point in this two minutes that I see anything that would have given them a chance to score. Um, it, doesn't look like they have an extra man out there. It doesn't look like the other team is down a guy. Um, and, and when it's that bad, that's where I think your attention has to go because there's not one guy on the power play, but there's one guy in charge of the power play. And so I think if you're looking for a major change, that's the most likely thing I think you'd see happen. And if they bring someone new in, I mean, it's not like he's got a secret book that this is how the power play works and we're going to be great from here on out. But if the players are getting frustrated with the schemes or they're getting frustrated with the lack of results, they're going to pin that on their coach that's leading it. They lose confidence. Just a new person could be enough of a change to kind of refocus, re-energize that group. So that, that's kind of where I would look for something to change. For those of you out there who are like, what's going to happen? When's there going to be some – what's going to come as a result of all these losses piling up? That, yeah. that's my that's my assumption is if something were going to happen it would be something like that and i think if you were trying to get the team re-energized maybe that's the way to do it but let me tell you this sean if you were looking to get re-energized in your in your life right now my life. if you wanted to maybe live better feel better or sleep better every single day of your life you've got to go to relax the back which is in green hills here in nashville the relax the back store 
Uh, they've got a ton of customized comfort options for the office, for relaxing at home, and for sleeping at night. All those things to help you live better, feel better, and sleep sleep better. Talking about ergonomic office chairs, zero gravity mm. chairs that are amazing as soon as you sit in them and get mm -hmm. switch that switch back into the zero gravity position. You are instantly comfortable, and you probably will fall asleep very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and so they're all perfect for getting your spine in the correct position so you can work better every day. They've got it all there at the store. If you look at our YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see pictures of their store there. There's uh, really nice massage chairs that are great for a workout recovery or if you're coming over uh, recovering from an injury. There's uh, Tempur-Pedic and uh, Technogel mattresses that are incredible to sleep on, um, as well as wedge systems and pillows, all kinds of stuff there to help you get your uh, get your sleep on, if you know what I mean. Uh, but you've just got to check it all out at the Relax the Back store in Green Hills, 2020 Glen Echo Road, right there in the middle of Green Hills. Probably pretty packed over there right now because it's Christmas time. But uh, go in there and talk to Glenn, talk to a sleep agent who is on hand every day about uh, the four pillars of wellness, which are healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. Alex, if, if Santa were to bring me a zero gravity chair, I'd be the happiest boy in Tennessee. I bet you would. That'd be what? awesome. I, I am not going to be doing that. So, oh, but you said Santa. So Santa. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if you wanted to bring me one, I'd be happy too. But <laughs> um, so d defensively, um, the team is in a weird situation right now. Uh, they just sent Kevin Gravel and Roland McCown, McKeown, McCown back down to Milwaukee, which I think the roster is at 21. That's 13 forwards six defensemen and two goalies. Yeah. But as we were talking before the show, that means that Alex Carrier is the one Alex Carrier has been out for a week and he has been termed week to week by the predators. Perhaps he yeah. is back. So he was literally only one week in that injury, but right now they only have by my count five healthy defensemen. So I I'm guessing either Alex Carrier is coming back, which is the more likely scenario or Maybe Borbietsky or McDonough are coming off of IR. I can't see that really happening, but um, just because of how serious those injuries were, maybe the Carrier yeah. one ended up being not as bad as they thought. Well, I you know timelines change, and you we don't because we're not getting yeah. they've been on the road, and we don't get the Zoom access like we had during COVID. Um, you don't get that <laughs> that constant update that we were kind of getting used to there for a couple of seasons. So um, you know when they're on the road we don't have access to them unless we're there, which we're not. Um, but I'm assuming that it's just behind the scenes, that timeline shifted because he either, like you said, it wasn't as serious as, as, as first or initially thought, or potentially he's just recovered quicker than they had expected. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, now that he's, now that the team is like, I don't think that, I don't think they took him on the trip. I think they left him here. They took Lazan mm. with them. Okay. And I think probably once they got back and talked to the team doctors and they were able to say, ah, oh, yeah, he'll be good. To go. That's my guess. I don't know. Lausanne, I have no idea. Lozon didn't miss that many games either. Lozon was no. day to day. And I think that most people thought the Lozon injury was worse than the carrier injury initially, right? Like the Lozon injury looked pretty dangerous. Like I thought concussion. I thought concussion too, but it's funny because he came off shaking his hand, didn't he? He's the one that was shaking his hand. Um, it looked like he oh. got took a looks yeah. like he got his head smashed into the glass, but I think his hand hit the dasher, and that's probably where the, the bulk of that impact was. 
Um, that was against Ottawa and the team. Uh, so he missed. So Lausanne only missed two games, games. maybe. He missed three games. Three Lausanne games. missed three games. Kerry has missed four games now. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I, I mean we're probably going to see see those guys back. But uh, the the other bit of team news that we got uh, just before we started recording this, uh, I'll let you talk about this, Sean. Um, but oh. the team were called Tommy Novak from Milwaukee. That's right, Tommy Novak. And I, I I'll tell you, you know, I put an article out about this last week, and it, it's something I've I've really it's kind of been a mystery, I guess you could say for me was that Novak. Um, he, he did not start last season at the NHL level. Cody Glass started at the NHL level last season, I think for one or two games, and then he was sent down to Milwaukee. They brought Tommy Novak up in his place. He played like 27 games, and if you want to look at his numbers and say, well, he only scored one goal and only had a few assists, I mean, that's fair. You can say that. But if you think away that te- think of how that team was constructed last season – and what was being expected from the fourth line, it was not a, a bulk of offense. It was more about, you know, being a good, solid, you know, we're not going to let anything bad happen while we're on the ice. And he did very well at that. He got added to the COVID protocol, which last year was not the COVID year. <laughs> but he got added to the COVID protocol after those 27 games. And upon his return from the COVID protocol, he was sent down to the AHL and played with Milwaukee. Now, what's interesting to me about that is that you also have, around the time that that happens, you see Michael McCarron taking over that fourth-line center spot. And that's kind of a spot he's held on to for a very long time. But with him entering into the player's assistance program, you yeah. kind of have this big opening on the team. And it makes the most. It made the most sense to me that Novak would be the one to call up, not because that was who McCarron replaced initially, but because – Novak is having an outstanding season in the AHL and he had a good season last season and he even had a good season the year before. So it's, it's not like this is some guy who's a slouch. This is a guy who's, uh, I, I brought up my article here, which I, I'd strongly encourage you to go to a to Z sports.com to read this, but I will tell you, um, he, uh, let's see here. Okay. He last season when he went back, when he went back to the AHL, um, he finished with, uh, let's see, seven goals, 24, 27 assists, and 34 points in only 42 games. It was seventh on the team in scoring. But remember, he wasn't with the team for the first part of the season because he was playing with the Preds. Um, right now, he is, let's see, can't find it. Well, you know what? I'll just say this. Go check out the article. Novak's having a great season. Um it's, it's obviously a clown show over here on my end, but uh, here we go. Um, nope, just go go read the article. It's Yeah, it's no, he, you'll like it. He is having a good, a good season, I mean, uh, lead, leading the team, and uh, I I think the one key part of his game is that I mean, the fact that he can play center um, helps them. Now, but I think it'll, it, you know, we just, we don't know where he's going to play. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, 13, don't know. 13 forwards, he might even be a healthy scratch. I mean, I, I don't – or are they going to use him like a lineup threat, uh, you know, a, a lineup a lineup threat for, for players who are not playing well? Yeah, right now, Novak is leading the team in, in Milwaukee. He's leading the team in points with 26 points. 
mm-hmm. off of 11 goals, which is number one on the team, and 15 assists, which is tied for first on the team with Luke Evangelista. So um, yeah. he's he's already over a point per game. I mean, he's leading the team in all offensive categories. Um, and I, I want to say this too. Two minutes of penalty time. That's one penalty in 25 games. And for a team that is kind of having some issues with penalties, that's the kind of style of play you'd like to bring up into your lineup. So I, I think that's I think that's probably again, don't know if he's gonna play, don't know if he's where he's going to play, but if you're going to make an addition to your team, that's probably the smartest one to make right now. Yeah, I, I think the other one would be Tomasino who seems to be back and rolling with Milwaukee. I mean, you know, if, if they have – if this one works, if Tommy Novak comes out and, and plays well, then maybe they go back to the well and get someone else from Milwaukee like like Tomasino. Uh, Tomasino and Tommy Novak, by the way, had pretty good pretty good chemistry going early on in their careers in Nashville. Yeah. Um, they not, did. A very long, not for a very long time, but, but in the brief time that they played together. Yeah. So um, – yeah, that's kind of where things are at right now. I mean, the Predators are not good, and things are, you know, they've lost six straight. And guess who comes to town tonight? The Edmonton Oilers. Um, oh, boy. With that game, and it's just like, it's getting ridiculous with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And, um, I mean, I, th- there's this this one's definitely, you, you can chalk it up as a loss. I think it. If you somehow beat the Oilers, I, I doubt you're doing it with a low-scoring game. I mean, you're going to have to find offense yeah, to, get to. to beat them. And, you know, if you beat the Oilers in a, in a shootout, you know, are you really feeling good about it? I mean, I guess so, because you finally found some offense. But but they have the Oilers tonight, and then they play in Chicago against the Blackhawks on Wednesday. Probably the only team in the Central Division you can definitely say is worse than them. I think the Chicago Blackhawks are worse than them. Maybe that's a Maybe that's a win. Yeah, and uh, then they go to color, or then they have Colorado on uh, Friday. Is that Friday? Yeah, Friday. Uh, Monday, yeah. Wednesday, Friday week this week, which is weird. Yeah, um, it but is yeah, a Friday weird week against the Avalanche. Um, and then they have two days off until after the Christmas break. But so three games against two two against teams that I just just beat you soundly every time, and one against a team that's pretty bad. Seems like a one and two kind of week to me. I mean, maybe they break the losing streak on Wednesday, but what is that really going to do? Uh, I mean, it'll break their losing streak, right? It'll do that if, if nothing else. I was yeah. I was looking here. I thought I'd brought up some some cool. And I use the term cool very lightly here. Um, some cool stats about playing against the uh, the Oilers that I think everyone should be aware of headed into the game, but. Predators okay. haven't beat the Oilers in a long time. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Um, you know, seasons, not 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 months. <laughs> yeah. But um, the uh, and I don't think it was my stat that came up, but the amount of offense that has come from Leon Drysidel and Connor McDavid against the Predators during that stretch is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's unreal what those two have been able to to hang on the Predators defense and goaltenders. So, um, you know, look, you, you had a game against Colorado where Kennan wasn't playing, didn't end very well. Now you've got a game against Edmonton where 
McDavid and Drysdale were both playing. Mm. Don't feel great about it. Um, but again, like I said before, you know, could be a blowout, but it could be a blowout either way. Sometimes we get surprised by that. You expect the worst. Yeah. You know, McDavid and Drysdale are going to have you know two hat tricks, and um, you know, defense will forget how to play defense. But then maybe it's you know, next thing you know, Rocco Grimaldi has five goals in a game or something crazy like that. Who knows? UC Soros and Kevin Lankinen starting to look they're 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 looking better, but it's just like there's there's not really a lot they can do um against that team and uh those teams and so we'll we'll see. But um yeah. that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for us. Anything else to, to before we conclude? Well, I mean, are we gonna record again before Christmas? We are not gonna record before Christmas. We would probably record next Monday, which would be the day after Christmas. Okay. So Maybe just like to wish everybody out there Merry oh. Christmas. Oh, yes. I forgot to decorate. I forgot to decorate, Alex. Okay. <sighs> all right. I forgot to decorate the... Hey, the let's do this, though. Let's decorate after we record and then leave the Christmas lights up for like two months. Okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> yes, we will probably not see everybody until after, thanks, or after Christmas. And um, until then... You can check out all of our Preds coverage at a to z sports.com. Check it out there. Until you until then, follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1 and Sean at SCSNSH. We will be back in four uh, back in full force next week. Yeah.